Jonah. And, uh, you know, it's amazing. I, I, most people, they think of Jonah, and really they know one thing about Jonah. Uh, they know that he was swallowed by a whale. And, uh, and really, that's, that's about the extent of the knowledge of many people of the life of Jonah. Uh, but there's so much more in the Bible. Matter of fact, if you think about it, uh, the fact that he was swallowed by a whale really occupies about uh, maybe two or three verses of the entire book, and that's about it. And, uh, and so uh, there's some interesting studies uh, throughout the book of Jonah. Jonah chapter number 2, and uh, last time we looked at God's interaction with Jonah and Jonah's devotion. And this week I want to look at some declarations that Jonah made. Look with me in verse number, uh, let's go to, well, let's read chapter 2 here. The Bible says in Jonah chapter 2, verse number 1, the Bible says, Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. And said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. For thou hadst cast me into the deep, in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about. All my billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. The waters compassed me about, even to the soul, the depth closed round about, the weeds were wrapped about my head, I went down to the bottoms of the mountains, the earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought my, up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came in unto thee, into thine holy temple. They did observe lying vanities, forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. Let's pray. Father, we thank you just for your goodness to us. God, again, we thank you for the privilege and the opportunity that we have to look at the life of Jonah, to study it. God, to find the relevance that it has for us. God, so many lessons, so many things that can be learned from the life of Jonah. God, I pray that you, as we study, I pray that you would use me. God, I pray that you would speak through me. God, I pray that you would touch hearts as only you can. And Father, we'll certainly give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. We looked at some of this last week, uh, but I want to I revisit some of this and looking at it as Jonah's declaration, we looked at it as his devotion and what drove Jonah to pray and, and, uh, and how he um, certainly did pray to God. But this morning, I want us to see the declarations, the statements that Jonah made in his prayer as he was praying to God. Look with me in verse number three there, and I think we can see the first thing, matter of fact, down through seven really uh, is very interesting. Interesting, but he says there in verse number seven, For thou hadst cast me into the deep in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about, all thy billows and thy waves passed over me. And you look at Jonah's statement there, and 
I think, I think it's very clear to Jonah, he declares his sad state. I mean, his its reality has sunk in, and I, no pun intended. He is he's sinking to the bottom of the ocean. Uh, reality had set in, and, and he was slapped in the face with reality that boy, it doesn't look like there's any recovery here. It doesn't look like this is gonna uh, something that I'm going to bounce back. And I I kind of uh, look at Jonah's personality as well. You know, everything as far as him running from God, and as far as him going off and and thinking in his mind, even in the boat as the storm is going on. Well, everything's gonna be okay. Everything's it's not a problem yet. And uh, and boy, when Jonah is actually cast into the sea, then reality sets in, and he declares his the, the his truly sad state that he is in. In verse number three, you can read that, and you can almost sense a complaint as he says this. He says, "For thou hadst cast me into the deep, in the midst of the sea." Isn't it funny how people complain? against God. They, the, here's Jonah. Now Jonah, Jonah, what was he doing? He was running from God. And, and, he, and he buys himself a boat ticket. He had to pay money for that. And it cost him. And he gets on this boat going the wrong direction away from Nineveh. And here he is sailing away. And God sends a storm. And what does Jonah do? He gets out his earplugs. He plugs them in. He gets out his little mask, covers his eyes. And he blinds himself to the reality that is all around him that he is running from God. And God is saying, hey, we're not doing this. This is not right. And the way you're living and the way you're going is not right. But he he blinds himself to all that reality to the point that finally he's thrown out of the boat. He's sinking in the ocean. And now, God, why are you doing this to me? Isn't it, isn't it ironic? We look at Jonah's life, but really, we are no different than Jonah. I mean, we, we do the same thing that takes place in Jonah's life, and we complain when bad things come our way, but yet many times we are the cause of our own bad things that happen in our life. And God is saying, hey, listen, you can, you can almost see uh, a complaint from Jonah in verse number 3. We ought to be very careful not to complain against God. And I've said this many times, I'll say it again, that not every trial, not every difficult situation that comes into our life is a result of sin or God's punishment on us. Sometimes God is just simply testing our faith or putting us through a trial that will make us stronger or change us in the other end. So I'm not saying that every difficulty is a result of sin, but it is funny and ironic because in Jonah's instance, it is certainly because of sin. It is certainly because of not living the way that God wants him to do. And here we have him complaining. And he says there in verse number four, look at there. He says, then I said, I am cast out of thy sight. He said that in verse number three, for thou hadst cast me into the deep. And we see Jonah cast out. I kind of said this, but it wasn't God doing the casting. It wasn't God saying, all right, Jonah, that's enough. Uh, you, uh, you're out of here, man. I don't want you in my presence. No, that wasn't it at all. Matter of fact, the Bible would tell us in James 4, 8, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Can I tell you that the same thing is true? That, that if, if God is here and I take a step closer to God, that God will draw nigh to me. But can I tell you something? 
if I take a step away from God, He's not going to draw nigh to me. He's not going to chase me into the world if I were to wander so far from the Lord that, it, that He's going to be right there by my side. He's going to stay where He is at. Uh, and, and He's saying, hey, it's your responsibility to draw nigh to me. And if you wander away from God and if you get out from under the protection of God's hand and God's shepherd, uh, shepherding staff, then hey, that's on you. And here Jonah is saying, hey, you cast me out. Listen, it wasn't God casting Jonah out. It was Jonah voluntarily walking away from God that loves him. Jonah did that. And he declares that he, he was um, cast out. You think about that, and there's, there's Bible example after Bible example of people that have walked away from God. I thought of Peter instantly, and Peter was uh, in the garden. You remember when Jesus was there praying, and, and of course the, uh, the, the, they, the soldiers showed up so that they could arrest Jesus, and, and here's Peter, and Peter was a fighter. Peter was a man of action. I love Peter. And so Peter draws his sword, and man, he goes to lob the guy's ear off. Uh, I think he was going for his head, but he missed, and so he lobbed his ear off, and, and, uh, and, and Jesus, of course, healed him and said, hey, put that sword away. And the Bible says, if you continue reading, that they all fled. All the disciples, they took off and they fled. Now, who left who? Jesus didn't leave, Jesus didn't leave them. They left Jesus. And so they left from the presence of God. You go on to the, uh, when they were there and Jesus was on trial. And, uh, and the, the people that were there, they looked at Peter and they said, Hey, weren't you one of those disciples that walked with Jesus? He says, not me. No. And then uh, a little bit later, I love this portion because they say, yeah, your speech berayeth you. In other words, the way you talk uh, is declaring that you were a disciple. I don't know exactly what that means, but I like to say this. I think Peter talked clean. I don't think he swore and cussed and said all the bad stuff that the rest of the world was saying and didn't talk the way the world did. And, and, and Peter, the Bible says, then he swore. He said, no, I, I wasn't with him. I'm not a disciple. And Peter was taking yet another step away from God. And then when Jesus uh, was crucified, and, and what did Peter say? He said, I go a-fishing. Now, praise the Lord, fishing is not a sin, all right? But walking away from God is. And what Peter was saying by that is, man, I'm going back to my old lifestyle. I used to be a fisherman for three years. I've been, I've been away from fishing, and I've been walking with the Savior, and I'm taking another step. I'm going back to where I used to be because I would be better off. And Peter walked away from God. And my point is, Jonah walked away from God. You could go on and on and on about people that walk away from God, but God is not casting you out. God is like the prodigal son's father that is with arms wide open that goes to the road every day, and he's looking and saying, hey, I'm, I know my children are going to return. I know they're going to come back to me and I'm waiting for that day when they'll come back. And he's there with arms wide open to receive you and say, man, I'm glad that you're back. And so we find that Jonah was cast out and he's, he's realizing the sad state that he is in and he's declaring that. Look at his condition there in verses 5 and 6. The waters compass me about even to the soul. 
The depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountain. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. And he was admitting to himself the sad reality of the state of his life without God. When you walk away from God, when you get away from God, Listen, things are not going to get better. They never do. The world will promise you, oh, you can have this and you can have that, and and they'll offer you all kinds of things. But in the end, when you get away from God, things do not get better in your life. They generally get worse. And, And Jonah has come to the sad realization and acceptance of that. I mean, it is all around him. His life is surrounded uh, by water and seaweed and condemnation and corruption, and and it's just going uh, to get worse from this point. But he's crying out to God. Look with me in verse number 8. Not only his uh, complaint and the fact that he was cast out and his true condition, but verse 8 gives us a great truth. In the Word of God. Look with me there. It says, They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. What is lying vanities? Well, lying vanities would be thinking that you are better off than you really are. Vanity is something that is Uh, you think is important, but really is not very important. And a lying vanity would be something that you're imagining, well, I'm far better off. Again, read with me this verse because it's a very true statement. It's a declaration that, uh, that he was cheated. In verse number eight, they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. You know, one of the greatest lying vanities that I think Jonah uh, may have thought was, eh, I can do this and not be punished. It'll be okay. If I run from God, it's okay. There won't be a punishment. Or I can live my own way in my life and, and there's no recursive action from God. And, and that's kind of a lie from the devil that he'll give to us. And Jonah believed it. Matter of fact, Jonah said, man, uh, God said to Jonah, go to Nineveh. What did Jonah do? He went down to Joppa and he bought a ticket going to Tarshish. He said, man, I'm going the other way. I'm not going to Nineveh. And he goes on that boat and he's trying to go the absolute wrong direction that God has called him to do. And he, he was deceiving himself in thinking, well, this will be okay. I'll get away from God's will and it won't matter in my life. Nothing will change. Nothing will be different and God won't punish me. Listen, the devil would like you to believe that. That you can live your life any way you want and that there won't be a punishment. But it is a lie from the devil. Not only that, I think Jonah, uh, in that lying vanities, was ignoring reality. We mentioned that boat and the fact that he was on that boat. And what did the Bible say back in Jonah chapter 1? It said that God prepared that storm and that God sent that storm to that boat. And here's Jonah, as I mentioned. Boy, he just pulled out his earplugs, put them in. He got his little blinders out so that he could sleep. And you know what he was doing? He was blocking out the reality that was all around him, that all those sailors were busy uh, trying to, to, to overcome that storm. And here's Jonah asleep 
in the bottom of the boat. Listen, when we run from God, you can, it's a lying vanity to believe that, that God's not chastising you or God's not trying to correct your life, but it's a lying vanity and you're deceiving yourself. And you can say, man, I, I sleep good at night. And you can tell yourself all sorts of things, but it is a lying vanity. And it's a sad state to live in. And you cheat yourself. Not only that, I think another lie that, that maybe Jonah told himself perhaps is, I know better than God. Boy, you think, sometimes we feel like, we wouldn't say it, but we live our life like we know better than what God knows. We say, well, you know, it's 2022. Times have changed. Things are different. Listen, God hasn't changed. He's still the same God. God has watched humanity for 6,000 years. Besides the fact that He created us, He knows everything about us, and He is very well aware of the path of our life, and He knows what is best for us, and, and you don't know what is best. I don't know what is best for my life, but God does. And when I choose to follow my own path and not follow God's path, I'm just telling you that it's always results in problems in my life. We find that true in Jonah's. But yet we live our life thinking, well, I know better than God. And we find that that is a lying vanity that is, uh, that is very deceptive in our lives. And we need to be very careful because this is the sad state of Jonah's declaration saying, hey, uh, listen, uh, you don't know better than God. Look at what he says the second part of that verse. Uh, the Bible says, For they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. The Bible says that in Psalm 116.5, gracious is the Lord and righteous, yea, our God is merciful. And God is merciful. And I'm, trust me, I am grateful for God's mercy. If it was not for God's mercy, I wouldn't be saved. If it was not for God's mercy, you wouldn't save. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. That's mercy. Grace is getting what you do not deserve. So mercy is not getting what you do deserve. Because of our sin, because of our stubbornness, because of our pride, because of our self-willed uh, desire to do what we want to do, oftentimes we find ourselves going in contrary or against or away from God in our life. And listen, it's the mercies of God that says, hey, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll remind you as a sheep, hey, this is the right way to go. This is the path that you need to take this is where you ought to be and he'll remind you and remind you and remind you but it's the mercies that may stay the hand of God for a little bit but eventually they're going to come and Jonah says here he says they that observe lying vanities they that would believe well I know what's best for my own life they that would believe uh, that hey this reality and all these problems are not really my fault or uh, the, those who would believe well I think I can escape the punishment of God all of those lies that would swirl around uh, are forsaking if you believe them you are forsaking your own mercy that God would like to extend to you and we find Jonah, he hit a point where he was punished 
because God said, you hit the end of the line. And, and something has got to be done. And so, uh, I'll say this, that sin always, you can mark it down, sin always leaves man in a deceived, sad state, without doubt. So we find that Jonah, his sad state is declared in those verses. Look with me in verse number 9. We find the sacrifice is declared. Verse number 9, the Bible says, But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. Here's Jonah. Remember, he's crying out of the belly of a whale. Remember, he sank down into the uh, waters and, and he was not doing well. And we find here in verse number 9 that a sacrifice was declared. In verses 3 through 7, well, 3 through 8, really, uh, we find his sad state was declared and he accepted and realized where he truly was. And in verse 9, we find his sacrifice is declared. He says there, but I will sacrifice unto thee. You know, relationships are built on sacrifice. When one is willing to give of their time, talent, treasure for another, it is a display of love. And listen, this is a two-way avenue, not a one-way narrow street. It's a two-way street. And, and think of it in, in relationship with a spouse. And think about, uh, hey, you sacrifice for your spouse, your spouse sacrifices for you. Uh, it's, it's a two-way street in which love is demonstrated and you say, well, you know, I, I do this because I love this person. And it's the same is true with God. God gave us the ultimate sacrifice when He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to this world that died on the cross of the Calvary and He shed His blood. Why did He do that? Because He loved you and I. That's what the Bible says. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave. And so He was giving, He was sacrificing of Himself so that you and I could be saved. It was the start of a relationship that God wanted to develop with you and I. And when we realize the sacrifice that God has done for us, hey, listen, it ought to make us want to sacrifice for Him. My life's verse is, Romans 12, 1 and 2. And the Bible says in Romans 12, 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. And I love this last phrase, and I also don't like the last phrase all at the same time, because the Bible says this is your reasonable service. That phrase means that's the minimum that I can give back to God. If I were to take myself, and, and, and we call this our altar where you can come and pray, and I, I put myself on the altar and I say, God, I'm yours. And, and my life is yours. I got my wallet, it's yours. I got my phone, well, I left it up there. It's yours. Every part of me is on this altar. My feet, my hands, my mouth, my ears, my eyes, my mind, my heart. God, I am yours and I'm sacrificing. I'm giving myself to you. But God doesn't want a dead sacrifice. God wants a living sacrifice. And the problem with a living sacrifice is we tend to walk away from the altar of sacrifice and say, I want to live my life the way I want to live my life. 
I want to do the things that I want to do. And we've got to go back to that altar and we've got to remind ourselves, you know what? No, I'm God's. And I belong to God. And this mouth belongs to God. And these eyes, they belong to God. And this mind, it belongs to God. And I have to continually remind myself, I am God's. And the sacrifice of my life, living my life for God, is a sacrifice because He gave everything for me that I could be saved. And that's the least that I could return to Him. We see the sacrifice. Jonah says here in verse number 9, but I will sacrifice unto thee. What a picture Jonah's life is when God says, go to Nineveh, and Jonah says, eh, I don't want to do that. And God says, go to church, and you say, eh, I don't want to do that. And God says, read your Bible, and you say, eh, I don't want to do that. God says, witness, and you say, eh, I don't feel like doing that today. And I'm just saying how often it intersects time and time again. We look at Jonah's life and we say, man, Jonah was foolish for making that mistake. We do the same thing over and over and over again in our lives. And we need to evaluate the fact that, hey, we need to sacrifice for God because He gave everything to us. And that sacrifice uh, is a two-way street in demonstration of love towards God. Look with me the second part of that verse in verse 9. But I will sacrifice unto thee, I love this phrase, with the voice of thanksgiving. It was a sacrifice unto God because it was sacrifice unto thee. And then it was a sacrifice with gratefulness. How often in our life we serve the Lord. Well, we got to do this. We got to do that. We got to, Lord, here's my tithe. I got to give it, gripping it so hard our knuckles turn white, we barely let go of it, we get rid of it, we, we well, I got to read my Bible, well, I got to witness, and, and, and we have the mentality of we've got to, we've got to, we've got to. Listen, Jonah says here, he says that I will uh, sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I remember being on the mission field so many times, and when I'd come back to the States, people would ask me about taking a mission trip or something, and I'd tell every one of them, if you ever get a chance to take a mission trip, take a mission trip. It will change your life. When you see another country, when you see other people, we live in a, in a small box, in a little world that we know, and we, we know our culture, and we know the people that we know, and we know the areas that we live in, and we know how things work and how things function. But when you get outside of, of that box that you know, and outside of your realm that you're familiar with, and you go to places where they are and I'm talking severely underprivileged. In other words, they don't have the money. Um, one, t one time somebody said to me, they, they were talking about poverty. I, I kind of got irritated. And, and I said, you don't even know what poverty is. You, you're talking about people in America and poverty. And I, I understand there are poor people in America. I don't, don't misunderstand that. I said, I've, I've looked at people who live with dirt floors, without running water, and without electricity in their house. I know what poverty is. Many people don't even understand what poverty is. 
And, and I'm just saying when you see stuff like that, you know what? Nothing will make you more grateful for all we have than realizing the life that so many people have without. It causes you to look around and say, you know what? Not everything's perfect. Not everything's great. But I tell you what, we are very blessed to have everything we have, to be able to do what we do, to be able to come to church to be able to set our auditorium, praise the Lord, we have air conditioning, we have heat, we have carpet, we have padded pews. So I wish the backs were padded too. Hey, I've seen churches didn't even have pews. Not kidding you. And so I say, hey, you know what? Be grateful for what we do have. Be grateful for the opportunity we have to be able to, uh, to serve the Lord. Jonah is saying, but I will, this is his declaration, I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. It was a sacrifice with gratefulness. And oh, how we need to be grateful for so much that God provides for us, for so much that God does for us. Look at the last part of that phrase. He says, I will pay that that I have vowed. And we see a sacrifice with guarantee. So many people, they make it to, uh, they're, they're, you know, they hit a low spot in their life. They make promises to God. God, you get me out of this hospital bed and I will be at church. God, you get me out of this bad spot, and boy, I will, I will be at church, and I, I'm going to change my life and turn it around. We need to have, we need to, it's a good thing to cry unto God in your low spot, but Jonah is saying, I will pay that that I have vowed. If you're going to make uh, deals with God, and if you're going to promise God something, then you better follow through with what you vowed. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 5.4, When thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it. For he hath no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. What a great reminder that if we've vowed something to God, that we need to keep our promise. If we've told God we're going to do something, that we need to keep up our end of the bargain. It's not God, I find, that is failing. It is man that often fails God. We need to keep up our end. Jonah said, I will vow, or I will pay that that I have vowed. Look at his last statement of declaration in verse number 9. We see that his sad state was declared. We see that uh, his, his sacrifice was declared, that he would sacrifice and would go and would do what God wanted him to do. And then salvation is declared in verse number 9. What a phenomenal statement. He says there in verse 9, the last part of it, he says, salvation is of the Lord. Jonah's faith, there's a great theological truth in this little declaration that salvation is of the Lord. Our works cannot save us. We know that. The Bible says in Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Uh, we can do all the good works we want, but it is not our good works that will save us. In the end, salvation is of the Lord, and He alone saves you can be baptized, you can attend church, you can give offerings, you can do good deeds, you can go on missions trips, you can do all of those things, but those things will not save you. 
It is a faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, and He alone is the one that saves. Salvation is of the Lord. Not only was it a testimony to Jonah's faith and that he, he trusted in God for his salvation and that salvation would only come from God, but I want you to notice as well, it was part of Jonah's message that he would go to Nineveh and that he would preach to the Ninevites and that, uh, listen, uh, when he did go, he said, repent, because God was about to judge Nineveh. And, and listen, in other words, hey, salvation's only going to come from God. And, and, and it was part of his message. And, uh, and so uh, the Bible says there, the last phrase is of the Lord. Uh, and there is a God and you will be held accountable to him. And salvation can only be attained through him. But he is the ultimate judge that will sit on the throne. And he is the only one that we're responsible to. We need to understand and realize the Bible says salvation is of the Lord. And it really had to do with Jonah's uh, message that as he would go to Nineveh saying, Hey, listen, the Lord is the only one that matters. And you need to, your life needs to change. You need to repent. You need to turn to God because that's where salvation is. So we see some of Jonah's declarations. His sad state declared. His sacrifice declared. And then salvation is declared so clearly. May we echo the statements of Jonah. Hey, that salvation is of the Lord. People need to know that. People need to hear that. People are lost all over this world. People are, are trusting in good works. People are trusting in religion. People are trusting in uh, baptism. People are trusting in all sorts of things today. But only Jesus, only God can save because salvation is of the Lord. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you, God, for your salvation. So true, so rich, so free. God, I pray that you would help us to not walk away from you. But God, that we would draw nigh to you, as the Bible says, and keep drawing nigh to you. God, I pray that you'd help us to not believe lying vanities and think, well, we know better than God or that we'll get away with it or that we're better off. God, there's so many lies of the world. So many vanities that we would like to think. But God, I pray that You'd help us to turn to You. I pray that You'd help us to live for You. God, we'll be careful to thank You for that. God, I pray that You would bless and encourage and help and strengthen each and every saved person this morning. Father, if there's one that does not know You, I pray that Your Holy Spirit would speak to their heart, show them their need for salvation. God will thank You for that. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. As we have just a hymn of invitation, heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe God's spoken to your heart, the altar's open. Maybe you just want to come to the altar and say, God, I want to put myself back on this altar for You. Maybe it's something else 
in your life. Maybe you need to follow the Lord in believer's baptism. Maybe you need to join the church. Maybe you need to witness more. Maybe you need to read your Bible. Maybe you need to be grateful for what God is doing in your life. Whatever the need, the altar's open.